This is a Holy Baptist Church podcast, bringing you into a community in which everyone is welcome, lives are changing, and Jesus is King. Thanks for listening with us today. We would invite you to subscribe so you can keep up to date with us. But for now, we pray you enjoy listening for what God has in store for you in this episode, and that it helps change your life for the better, in Jesus' name. Enjoy. I'm Helen. I'm Sue. Shall I say we're your hosts this morning? <laughs> Welcome if you're watching us live, online, or if you're watching us listening to the podcast later. I love the podcast. I don't want to say it every time, but I love the podcast. Um, not when I've been doing it. No one likes listening to themselves back. Um, but this morning, as per always, we've got a lot coming up. Uh, we're going to have some songs. We're going to have uh, David talking to us a little bit later. Um, on our second in our series, looking at the book of Ecclesiastes, which is a little bit like, oh, life is meaningless sort of book. But trust me, uh, David's going to find hope within that. Um, as he's looking at today, the vanity of human wisdom. I don't really know what that means, but I'm sure David's going to explain it beautifully and show that actually, you know, because this series is called The Pursuit of Meaning. And actually shows it in a book that talks about everything being meaningless. There was a lot of meaning to be found. Um, and so about that, we're just going to watch a brief video uh, that talks about that thing exactly. What's the meaning of life? Is there purpose behind it all? Let's dive into the ancient wisdom of the biblical book Ecclesiastes to find answers. Learn how to face life's ups and downs with wisdom and uncover the beauty in life's complexities. Join us for a month of discovery and growth. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Um, At short notice, I was asked to step in to do this, but you soon realize it doesn't matter how much notice you have, it always feels short. Um, so, so, so here I am. Um, we're going through the book of Ecclesiastes, and as Martin said last week, the feeling is that the, the, the writer introduces himself as the teacher or the preacher, but there are also bits in there that help us to think this was Solomon, uh, David's son. So if you hear me use Solomon or the teacher, I, I'm, I'm conflating both of them. What we're going to be looking at is the second part of chapter 1, and it talks about having wisdom and knowledge. I've, I've broken it down, and I, I will read the whole passage, but in parts. But while I was going through this, one of the things that struck me first is reading through it. Why do we actually want wisdom and knowledge? What is it that drives us to want this? And it helps to go back to the beginning. So you open your Bible, and in Genesis, it talks about Adam and Eve in the garden. And God has made the world. He's created everything and said it was good. He created man and woman and said it was very good. And they were supposed to look over and look after all things in the garden. And we're told about a particular point in time when Adam is talking to the serpent. Sorry, Eve is talking to the serpent. And the serpent says, did God actually say you shouldn't eat from the tree of that fruit? And Eve said, yes, he said so, because we would die. And the the serpent said, you won't certainly die. 
For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And it says, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. It's interesting how you can read something and then go back and read it again. And for very, for a long time, I'd always thought Adam was somewhere else doing good work while Eve was talking to the serpent. She says she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. He was there while all this was happening. She did that because she had been told by the serpent she would be like God, knowing good and evil. She desired to gain this wisdom. And I've struggled, maybe as some of you have, with regards to just understanding that. And just this morning, looking over it again, this is the picture I had. You're a parent. You've bought your child a computer. They're probably eight or nine years old. And you've shown them the different games and things they can have on it. And you go, look, the package I got contains all this. You can have all this, but not that one. Don't, don't go into that particular part. And... They have this friend who you know is just bad news. And, and, and the friend comes to visit and they're playing and they say, what about that one? Oh, no, dad says we shouldn't open that one uh, because you know we might be damaged if we, we won't be damaged. Come on, let's have a look. And you open it and it takes you to sites where an eight-year-old shouldn't be seeing. And then dad comes in and this eight-year-old had for the last, ever since they had the computer, just wanted to show, dad, look what I did, dad, look what I did. And this day they don't. And, you know, why don't you want to show me what you did? Have you been looking into the part I said you shouldn't look at? And then the dad looks and realizes, okay, I'm going to need to confiscate that. And your friend's not going to be allowed back in. Now, this is my little understanding of, yes, the child wasn't broken or whatever, but what they'd seen did and would do some damage. God told Adam and Eve, don't do this. The serpent led them to do it. And maybe just because they wanted to know, they went where they shouldn't have gone. So why do we want wisdom? Maybe just because we want to know more. There's another person who was very wise, Solomon. But the reasons for him wanting wisdom were different. the end of his life, had quite a few children, costing for the crown, but David had decided it would be Solomon. So for 40 years, King David had ruled the people of Israel, and when the time came for him to die, he called his son Solomon to his bedside, and he gave him the rule. It was a heavy task for the young prince. Israel was a great nation. walk in God's ways and obey his commandments. A while later, the Lord appeared to Solomon and said, ask for anything for me to give you. Solomon was filled with wonder. He told the Lord he wanted to be a good, upright king like his father, but he didn't know how to rule a great nation. So he asked God for wisdom to do what was right. 
So Solomon is asking for wisdom, please, to help him do what is right. So you might want wisdom because you just want it to be, to be wise, to be better than other people. You might want wisdom to do, to do what is right. One question I then had was, what do we do with this wisdom and knowledge when we have it? So let's look at Solomon's life. He was very wise. He was very rich. He was very blessed. He was kind, wiser than any king before him. All his people were happy. His judgment. He stopped listening to God. He had married very many wives. They had different gods. And in the end, Solomon forgot about his own God. He was wise, but he forgot about his own God. And I looked at that and I thought, it's one thing to be wise. It's another thing to be obedient. Very different things. Apostle Paul is another person who talks about wisdom and knowledge and, and gifts. And when he wrote to the church in Corinth, he, he, his letter showed that he was kind of put out with them and was writing back to them because it seemed as if some people had come after Paul had left and they were preaching odd things and these people were just, as it were, following them. And so they were almost like super apostles. And, and, and Paul is writing to the Corinthians and is This boasting will do no good, but I must go on. I will reluctantly tell about visions and revelations from the Lord. I was caught up to the third heaven 14 years ago. Whether I was in my body or out of my body, I don't know. Only God knows. Yes, only God knows whether I was in my body or outside my body, but I know I was caught up to paradise. And I heard things so outstanding they can't be expressed in words things no human is allowed to tell. That experience is worth boasting about, but I'm not going to do it. I will boast only about my weaknesses. If I wanted to boast, I would be no fool in doing so because I'd be telling the truth. But I won't do it. I don't want anyone to give me credit beyond what they can see in my life or hear in my message, even though I received such wonderful revelations from God. So to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me and keep me from becoming proud. What do we do with wisdom and knowledge? Sometimes we get very proud. And you might think it won't happen to you, um, but just wait till you're introduced as the expert on a certain field and as you walk up, suddenly you feel as if something's lifting your legs up and, and pride just puffs up. And, and C.S. Lewis wrote many things, but there's something he said about pride. He says, the Christians are right. It is pride which has been the chief cause of misery in every nation and every family since the world began. Other vices may sometimes bring people together. You may find good fellowship and jokes and friendliness among drunk people or unchaste people. But pride always means enmity. And not only enmity between man and man, but 
between but enmity to God. In God, you come up against something which is in every respect immeasurably superior to yourself. Unless you know God as that, you don't know God at all. As long as you're proud, you cannot know God. A proud man is always looking down on things and people. And of course, as long as you're looking down, you cannot see something that is above you. Solomon's fall wasn't due to pride. It was due to being taken astray. But if wisdom is going to make us proud, then perhaps we would rather not be wise. It's one thing to be wise. It's a different thing to be obedient. And Paul talks about that to keep him from becoming proud. He had a thorn in his flesh to keep his feet on the ground. James says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble, and pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. Why didn't it work out for Solomon? God blessed him with wisdom and knowledge, and I think it's largely because Solomon's human. Our fallen nature means we can't handle it. Paul says we have this treasure in jars of clay. We need to remember that Spurgeon, who was a great preacher many years ago, said, not everybody can handle a full cup. The blessings, the wisdom and everything that come, we still carry them in this jars of clay. Martin talked about this just a few minutes ago, the fact that in Ecclesiastes, the preacher looks and says it's all meaningless. And he says, I, the teacher, was king over Israel in Jerusalem. I applied my mind to study and explore by wisdom everything that's done under heaven. And having done all that, he concludes, what a heavy burden God has laid on man. I've seen all the things that are done under the sun. All of them are meaningless, just chasing after the wind. Martin showed us last week the translation being a vapor. It just vanishes. And Solomon, you know, with all his wisdom, you can imagine him just sitting down pondering and he thinks, this is all just meaningless. I'm not quite as wise as Solomon was, but I sat down last Sunday and looked at things that are done under the sun on the website to see whether they were meaningless. And so some of you would have remembered about the sycamore gap tree. Why would anyone fell it? What's the meaning behind that? On the same web page, there was a shoplifter who was saying the police aren't doing their job well. They need to stop people like me. And I thought, you know, that's just tough for the policeman to be being accused by a thief that you're not doing your job well. And he talks, he says, a man who identifies as Jordan said, I rubbed 400 pounds worth of cosmetics this morning. His girlfriend flipped down the sun visor, pulled out a pink tub of soap and glory and said, I robbed this. I'd rather pay for it, but... Yeah, it cost too much, so I robbed it. But what's the meaning behind that? You'd heard of the M35 bus crash where the driver and a young girl got killed and the stabbing in Croydon. Their families must be wondering, what is the sense in all this? What's the meaning? And then if, if, if looking further on the website, lots of snippets of things, there was something about the West Midlands rail line being scrapped. And it was next to another thing about Liverpool being cheated about of a goal. 
and then the United States finding somebody for space junk, and then a bus that had crashed. And when you just put all these together, what's the meaning behind all this? You could go and look on Instagram, Facebook, or WhatsApp. A huge amount going on, and some people just say they just turn things off now because it just it just depresses them. What's the meaning in everything? So you can imagine Solomon looking out at the world and just thinking, what, what's this all about? Some of you might remember the time when you could go back and open your TV times and plan your weekend. Um, four TV channels. I can't wait to see what's on tonight. And clearly four TV channels must be restrictive if only we had more. And now you've got millions and people say there's nothing on. <laughs> it's a, what's the meaning behind that? Ecclesiastes, the eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. You can't quite ever satisfy. Is there therefore no meaning in things? Is, is, is gaining wisdom bad? If you're reading through Ecclesiastes, is life just meaningless? The preacher in Ecclesiastes says, I said to myself, look, I've increased in wisdom more than anyone who has ruled over Jerusalem before me. I've experienced much of wisdom and knowledge. Okay, so I applied myself to understanding wisdom, and not just wisdom, madness and foolishness. I learned that this too is just chasing after the wind. With much wisdom comes much sorrow, the more knowledge. <laughs> the more grief. So I paused a little there and thought, you know, with much wisdom comes much sorrow. Um, are there examples of that? And one of them comes from um, the Old Testament. One of the prophets was Elisha, and he's talking to a Syrian general called Hazael. And he said to Hazael, Elisha stared at Hazael with a fixed gaze until Hazael became uneasy. Then Elisha started weeping. What's the matter, my lord? Hazael asked him. Elisha replied, I know the terrible things you will do to the people of Israel. You will burn their fortified cities. You will kill their young men with the sword, dash their little children to the ground, rip open their pregnant women. Hazael responded, how could a nobody like me ever do such great things. Elisha said, the Lord has showed me that you are going to be the king of Aram or Syria. The knowledge Elisha had made him weep. There's another example in the New Testament. Jesus Christ was approaching Jerusalem and people had put palms down. We celebrate as Palm Sunday. It says, as Jesus approached Jerusalem, he saw the city and he wept over it and said, if you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it's hidden from your eyes. The days will come when your enemies will build an embankment against you, encircle you and hem you in on every side. They'll dash you to the ground, you and the children within your walls. They'll not leave one stone in another because you didn't recognize the time of God's coming to you. <coughs> Because of the knowledge he had, Jesus wept. And, and there are times if you're a parent, you might look and, and see a child going astray and just weep. 
you look at a country losing its way and just weep because you know what might happen. You could be left with this feeling, therefore, that wisdom, wisdom is bad and, and, and life might be meaningless. But the book of Proverbs, the first few chapters, encourages us to go and look for wisdom, forces you to go out and, and search for it. And it says, my son, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom, applying your heart to understanding. Indeed, if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, if you look for it as for silver, search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and you will find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth come knowledge and understanding, something to be desired, something to be had. And I think the difference is in the next chapter of Proverbs. This is very familiar to quite a few Christians. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to God and he will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. And I think it's that bit about trusting not on God, but our own understanding that the problem comes. There's a Christian speaker called John Lennox. I've enjoyed listening to quite a lot of what he says. And he's a professor of mathematics and tries to um, engage with different people talking about God. And sometimes people look at him and go, how can you, a scientist, believe in God? And he says some people had told him to you know, just be careful. You're trying to reason people into Christ. You can't do that. They just need to trust God. And he said, no, 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 no. The first commandment says, love the Lord with all your heart, with all your mind. You don't suspend your mind because you're a Christian. He says, the problem is, and I thought this was interesting, you are supposed to use reason, but trust God. He says, most of us trust reason and use God when we hit the buffers. You were meant to use your reason, but put your trust in God. Trust in the Lord with all your own heart. Lean not on your own understanding. What would give life meaning? What would, what would that wisdom come into and help give meaning? You need humility. Pride will completely wreck you. You also need God's grace and God's Holy Spirit. Jesus said in Matthew um, chapter 10, Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Paul was writing to the Galatians, and you know, I was saying that we have this treasure in jars of clay. So I just want you to picture yourselves as this jar, an empty jar. And this is what Paul is saying about the, the Holy Spirit when he writes to the Galatians. He says, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the op opposite of what the Holy Spirit wants. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. 
When you follow the, de the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, envy, drunkenness, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. That is us before we know Christ. Each one of us, tons of that in us. That jar is full of those. If you add wisdom to that, what you're doing is being wise as serpents. The serpent is... But that is what the wisdom was embedded in. Paul goes on to say, But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. If Christ has come into your life, taken out the old things and put these in, when wisdom comes in, you'll be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Without God's Holy Spirit, the wisdom you have could end up being dangerous rather than helpful. We need Christ in our lives to help us use the wisdom that he's given us as it ought to be done. So Christ comes in, changes you, Will he give you wisdom? Well, James says, if you need wisdom, ask God. He will give it to you. He won't rebuke you for asking. And there is something about that wisdom which you will know. First of all, it's pure. It's peace-loving. It's gentle at all times. It's willing to yield to others. It is full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds. It shows no favoritism. And it is always sincere. That's the peace, the wisdom from God. And I would argue the wisdom from God into a vessel filled with his Holy Spirit. So why do we want wisdom? Well, our motives matter. If I just want to be wiser than the next person and lord it over them, I'm not going to use it well. As with any gift or talent that we have, we need God's grace to be able to handle it right. It might make us proud, lead us down wrong paths. Jesus knew we needed this. He came to save us. But when he left his disciples, he said, I will send the Holy Spirit to you. And, and it's interesting to look because if you follow Jesus Christ's resurrection, then you get to when he's leaving them. He tells them to go and to wait. For the Holy Spirit. It wasn't a question of go off now and do everything. He says, no, wait for the Holy Spirit. Without God's Spirit and his guidance, it's a fool's journey we're on. Life is hard enough. We need that guidance. Whatever wisdom we have, we need God's guidance to be able to use it. That knowledge of God being our shepherd. I was going to end with this, which I saw. I, I forget where I got it from now, so I can't describe it. But um, it says, Sunday school class was memorizing Psalm 23, and little Tommy couldn't get beyond the first verse. So on the big day, he steps up to the microphone, grins at the audience, and says, the Lord is my shepherd, and that's all I know. And sometimes that's all you need to know.
David. It's an opportunity now for you to just reflect on what David shared with us. They're going to do some questions and then we're going to sing together. So let's put the questions up. Thank you. Are there times when life seems confusing and meaningless to you? The Bible says if you need wisdom, ask God. Have you considered doing this? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Are you willing to do this and let him be your shepherd? Fabulous. Thank you, David, for that. <coughs> Sorry, everyone, if that went in your ears, some stuff in my throat. Um, yeah, really, I think I say this every week, but encouraging and challenging yes. in equal measure. Yes. Um, I think regularly we can. Yes. I think regularly, like, oh, that's a really wise person, but mm. actually, is it their wisdom or godly wisdom? Is it really wisdom? Um, it's actually, I think it's really nice. And, you know, I think it's one of those things where he's, where he's, you know, signing off at the end and was like, you know, Ask God for wisdom, that's okay, you can do that. I think we get, I don't know about you, but I find myself sometimes thinking about asking God for things rather than for attributes. Yes. Like, I pray for situations, not for, yeah, attributes is probably the best yeah. word that I've got. But actually, that's something we can also do. It's going, you know, um, yeah, can I do that? But um, out of his questions, um, I was really drawn to, probably because it, it's not, it links back to that earlier one, um, but actually, are there times where life seems confusing and meaningless to you? Which links back to what we were saying at the beginning about, you know, sometimes life feels meaningless without X, Y, Z. Yeah. Um, have you any thoughts on that, Sue? I think when he was bringing up all these things that he'd seen on the, on the, news, on the news website, yeah. actually, it's, it just, you do sit there and think, why would anyone chop a tree down? Yes. Why does a young man carry a massive knife yeah. around with him and actually it does make me think what's going on in people's lives but it, it does i don't think it makes lives meaningless i think it makes yeah it makes you think actually there's some really difficult situations that people are, are facing but actually yeah. we can't do anything about those situations yeah but it's an awful thing you know all this business that's going on in israel over the weekend yeah why yeah, and I think it just, you know, when it's about, you know, being confusing and meaningless, I think there's regularly confusing because meaning seems misplaced. Yeah. And actually where some people find their meaning and where some people find their reason, their being, their, their all of those things. Actually, for me, that's really confusing. Mm. You know, why are you finding your meaning in taking that soap and glory stuff from the yeah. shop just because you couldn't, 
because the queue was too long. Yeah. Like she even said, like, I could have bought it. I just didn't want to. Yeah. You're like, but what? I don't understand. Like, and for me, that's really confusing. Mm. Um, and so, and as you say, the stuff in the news just blows my mind constantly. Um, it's why I'm one of those people that David said, who often just shies away and doesn't read the news mm. and sort of becomes really detached from reality just because it's too sad. It's too, there's too much yeah. going on in life to, you know, think about all those things. And then you find it you're like, this is, this is bonkers. Like, how is this a thing? Um, but I think what's really encouraging um, in amongst all of that is actually God is still present in mm. those situations. God is still with those people. Mm. God is still over all of it. And actually where life seems confusing and you wonder what is the point of all of this? Actually, God is the point of all of this. Yeah. Um, and no matter what we may be going through, what you may be going through, what I may be going through, what you may be going through, actually, God cares about it all and he understands it all. Where we didn't understand what's going on in the world, God's got it. Yeah. And even though I am, um, there's a picture I often use um, when I'm, I, I try not to include it every time that I'm preaching. Um, there's like a crayon drawing of a house. It's like, this is my plan. Like it's a lovely, like rudimentary roof. You know, like when like a six-year-old draws a house and it's got the windows with yeah. the panes and but then it goes, but God's plan. And it's like it's like great blueprint yeah, architecture, sort of like proper in-depth, this, that, and the other. And actually it's the same house, it's the same things that are going on, but God's got a much bigger picture. He mm. understands the minutiae of what's going on. He mm. he gets the things that we can't see. He understands the plumbing mm. of that house, um, whereas I haven't got a clue. Mm. Um, and that's really encouraging. Um, but maybe, actually, as may happen this month, as we look at Ecclesiastes, um, or the What is the Meaning book, um, that you may find that you're coming away with more questions than you started with. You may find that you're going, I don't know what to do with this. Um, or where do I go from here? Like, thank you, Martin, last week. Thank you, David, this week. But what do I do with that information? How, you know, how do I make sense of that? Um, drop us an email, if that's the case, on gotquestions at hollybaptist.org.uk. Um, and someone will get back to you either with answers or with some great resources that will point you towards some great answers. Um, and they're just really willing to have those conversations with you. If you're going, I just don't know uh, what this all means, um, then do get in touch um, on that or come along to explore um, on Tuesday, we can have those conversations as well. Um, but maybe you go, actually, that's really encouraging. And actually that in everything that is going on in the world, God has still got it. Actually, then share this message, share it with someone who you think they might really appreciate this right now. Mm. Or share it on just on your socials, if you're like, oh, I don't know if anyone particular or whatever. But actually, there may well be. So share it on your socials um, or whatever and actually let people uh, find that and see that because um, actually you never know who it might encourage. That was today's episode of Holy Baptist Church podcast. We hope it's prompted you to want to follow Jesus, hopefully a lot, but even just a little bit more closely. If you have any questions about what you've heard in today's episode or you want to know more about what it means to follow Jesus, you can email us, gotquestions at hawleybaptist.org.uk. We'd love to hear from you. It would really make our day. 
If you want to hear more from us, just a reminder, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and you can download the Hawley Baptist Church app from the Apple App Store or Google Play to hear it as well. Simply search Hawley Baptist Church. Thank you again for listening to the Hawley Baptist Church podcast. We pray God will bless you and we'll see you next time.